But Father, this morning we just thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Another day. And you are there. And you are here in our midst. All we can say is, Father, it is you who are carrying us through, Lord. Like the Israelites travels in the wilderness. At the end you told them, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. In these uncertain days and times, you are carrying us and you are bringing us to yourself. Help us not to rebel like them in the wilderness. But that our minds and our hearts are stayed on you. That we are the final trumpet. Our ears will be open and prepared and ready to be and to go with our Lord. Teach us each day, Lord. Teach us each day how to walk with you. When this Saturday teaching, we commit into thy hands. Teach us. Help us to understand. Give us the power, the strength, the grace to walk in it, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Remember, we are doing the B series. When we do the B series last week, we had done on being a son, right? It's, it's, if you look at first Tim, uh, Titus chapter one, verse seven and eight, you will see it is, it's kind of similar to, uh, Corinthians 13 about love, what love is and what love is not. Love is, and love is not. Love is, love is not. In the same way, if you look up there, a bishop, an elder who will be, okay, must be blameless, must not be self-willed, must not be quick knower, must not be given to wine, must, must not be violent, must not be greedy for money, but he must be hospitable. He must be a lover of what is good. He must be sober-minded. He must be just. He must be holy. He must be self-controlled. So there are things which we are very clearly told what we should not be and what we should be. And this is primarily as instructions given by the Spirit through Paul to Titus about leadership qualities in the church. Okay? And why it matters. It matters to us. We may think, how does it matter to me? Because the church is the representative of the kingdom of God on earth. And one day the kingdom of God will come down to earth and will rule for a thousand years. And then, of course, after that, eternity begins. When we see the qualities that are required for leadership in the church, we see the qualities that are required in the kingdom of God during the millennial reign. Okay, We have to reign with Jesus. Look at what is asked for in the church. Nothing outside that will be required in the kingdom. Okay, that is why we study. You know, you may some of us, some of you, may never become an elder in a church. It does not matter whether you are elder in church. Okay, should be an elder there. Even if you're a welder on earth, if you're an elder in the millennium, it is fantastic. Okay, it does not matter. But the thing is that we need to know those qualities. So the whole life after salvation 
It's a life of preparation. It's a race, so there is a crowd. It's a battle, because it's not easy. It's a battle of faith. Okay? So, we do not live like others live. Last week, uh, the week before, two weeks, three weeks, we looked at about being just. It's It's not over. It's talking about being just. It's important about being just because about being just is being righteous. Okay. If you keep the letter of the law, you only become a legalist. You don't become just. The question you need to ask is whether it is right under the law or not. No, what you need to ask is, is it just? A lot of things right now in the world are legal, but they are unjust. And many of the things in the kingdom of God may be just, but may be illegal. Because the law keeps on changing. Keeps on changing. Okay, So as believers, never ask the question, is it legal or not? The first question we need to ask is, is it just or not? The second question, is it legal or not? And if there is no contradiction between being just and legal, it is easy to follow. But if it's a contradiction between what is just and what is legal, then you have to stand up like Peter and John and say, we will obey God. And as a result, they go to prison. Okay? So, but they were just. They were just. And you will see, God is with them. God is with them. So that's how you have to look at the whole concept about justice. So when we are looking at over here, please remember, even we look at these qualities, these are qualities, but we, we just don't want qualities because we know that we can look at qualities, but we will never know when do we have it, whether it is right or wrong. Do we really have it? So we need qualities and we need a model of person. When we have the qualities and we have a person, okay, that's what uh, parents tell children. Uh, be loving. No point telling the child. Why don't you be like him? The elder one or the younger one. I don't know, Jacob must have told. Why don't you can't only be like Joseph? And they must have gritted his daddy and gritted their teeth. Even more they hated him. Okay? Okay. Because it's difficult sometimes to tell children what they are to be. It's easier to point them. Okay, and that's what Deuteronomy 6 is about. It's just about parents, it's about children imbibing the faith of God is by saying that you practice it before them. You live it out before them. You live it out before them and it will automatically, children are imitators. Even adults are imitators. Now we imitate. So that's what the Bible is talking about. So we have these qualities and we have the person. So our role model is Jesus Christ. Along with the saints, okay? But Christ, along with, not the saints, and then Christ. Christ is the model, along with the saints. Our text is the Bible. And our teacher is the Holy Spirit. See it that way, it makes easier, okay? Our text is the Bible. You need a text. We need a text. We have a role model who we are trying to become like. Paul says, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. So Christ is the one we are imitating. We need a teacher. And the teacher, the guide, is the Holy Spirit. So, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, we know very well. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Okay? They are not models, they are witnesses. What are the witnesses? The witnesses of the life of faith. The life of faith is the only way we can live Christ's life out. 
That is why it is called walk by faith and live by faith. Okay? You live the life of God, the life can you. Somebody's there at the door. Okay. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're not looking at that too. Looking unto Jesus. Okay, mark that. Meaning keep your eyes on Jesus, the role model. Keep your eyes on this. He's the mark. Keep, okay, when you are running, you need a mark. You need a goal. You need a model. He's the mark. And when we fall short of the mark, that's what is called sin. It is called hamarshya, meaning we miss the mark. God has a mark. The mark is not one another. Mark is Christ. When we miss the mark, when man fell, he missed the mark. And that is sin. So today, if you look at it, if you come back to Titus, verses 1, uh, 7 and 8, <coughs> we had stopped last time about being just, being son. Today we will look at be holy. Okay? Now we are looking only a tiny part of being holy. All our life we will be learning about being holy. Okay? Because it is put down there in the list, it doesn't mean it is not important. It is actually more important than all the others. Okay? All the others. But in this list given to leadership, it is put over there because it is assumed. Assumed. Okay? The leaders are holy. One of the first, like I said, keep our eyes on Christ Jesus. One of the first statements made about Jesus by the angel Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 is, Therefore, if you'll... Yeah. And the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. One of the first statements made about Jesus is, He's holy. He's holy. Okay, so when you look at Jesus, the first statement, one of the first, actually the second statement, the first, second statement made about him is he's holy. He's holy. Okay, be holy, therefore, because he's holy. In First Peter chapter 1, I think it's one fifteen. yeah, but as he who called you is holy. Why should we be holy? Because he is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Why should you be holy in all his conduct? Because he is holy in all his conduct. Okay. When Israel was called out, remember, when they were brought out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, finally they are at the mountain, the law is about to be given. This is what God tells them through Moses. Moses went up to God and the Lord called him to from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. He brought them. He delivered them. He set them apart. And now he is telling them, this is my plan for you. What do you say? Okay. Same thing he does with us. He saves us. And then he says, this is my plan for you. You see, it's a choice. You can be a child of God and choose not to be holy. 
can be a child of God and choose not to be righteous. And it will have its repercussions in this life and eternity. So he says, this is a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's a new covenant. The same thing is repeated to the church. Therefore, the call is to be holy. Be holy. Okay? Now, like I said, it's a huge, huge subject. Studying holiness is like studying God. So, but you can divide it into two large groups. Okay? Holiness has two components. The first is separation from sin and the world. Involves separation. Step part two is separation unto God and surrender to him and his will. Okay, so you will see, even in that separation, it has two parts. We are separated from sin and from the world. That is part one. And part two is separation unto God. And if you look at it, all religions teach part one. And because they are not able to do part two, part two, they cannot become like God. They cannot like. All teachers, all, all religions teach part one. Okay, All religions teach part one. Important note, holiness is not something you receive as a gift or by the laying of hands. You don't. You can be positionally holy when you're born again. But practically, the outworking is the result only of a walk with God. You cannot learn holiness. You have to walk it out. You can, you can learn, meaning like math. You can learn theories, <laughs> but when you actually start doing it, you realize outworking is completely different. Okay. In the same way, we can learn fundamentals of holiness. It simply doesn't make us holy. It's only one way we can be holy and one way we can be righteous. It comes by a walk with God. Get that first right. Okay, just because we uh, sat through a sermon does not make us holy. Sit through hundred sermons, it does not make us holy. It only teaches us how we can walk with God. And it is the walking with God that makes us holy. That's why we are called to walk by faith and live by faith. And when we do that, actually we are rapture ready. Why? Because the Bible says so. Second Peter chapter 3, 10 and 11. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Verse 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Okay, he says, this is eventuality. It is happening. It's getting closer and closer. And if this is true, what should we be to, to avoid this, to escape this? What we should be? Okay? <clears throat> so the first call, I said, of holiness is separation. Okay? Separation from something. And Second Corinthians chapter 6, 14 to 18, very unpopular with young people, but there. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? 
What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them. And what makes us holy? It's the presence of God in our life. It is that he walks with us. Okay, And that's what the Bible says. When the Holy Spirit comes, he shall be in you and he shall be with you. Who, who, what makes us holy? It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in us and the presence of Holy Spirit with us. We can have one without the other. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit is in us. But experiencing the presence of God continuously demands that we are not only separated from, but we are separated unto. And then, they shall be my people. Look at verse 17 and 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. So it is a call for separation. On the day of Pentecost, after the first sermon, the call of Peter is a call of separation. He says, come out from this perverse generation. Come out. There is a call. And the Bible says, all who accepted that call were baptized. Okay, so there is a call. If you want to walk with God, you have to come out of a lot of things. Come out of them. So it is talking about a, about a culture, a people. Be separate. And then it says, do not touch what is unclean. Now the whole thing is, what is clean? What is unclean? You cannot go to the law and find out. You have to go to the word of God. There's a difference between the law and the word of God. And you have to be led by the spirit because the spirit will tell you what is unclean and what is clean. When he was under the law, Peter is saved, but still under the law, he saw a vision and he says, I will not touch, they are all unclean. But the Spirit of God is telling him, what I have cleansed, do not call it unclean. Okay, so we need to understand, there are a lot of things which will look clean in the world and they may look outwardly clean, but what it is contaminated with spiritually, only the Holy Spirit can show. A lot of things that may look unclean under the law, but the Spirit of God says, it is clean, you don't have to worry. Just receive it, thanks, receive it. There's nothing spiritual in it. There's nothing spiritual in it. You don't have to worry about it. You need to realize it is a spiritual that is dangerous. It is not the outward. Outward. It's a spiritual that is dangerous. But that only the Holy Spirit can show. So primarily from here, we can only teach. But each one has to be led by the Spirit of God. Overall, we can say, but primarily in each one of its walk, if you hear the voice of the Spirit, he will tell you, touch not that thing. Move away from this. That everybody says is harmful. Don't worry. You receive it with thanksgiving. It is pure for you. You don't have to worry. He leads you. And that's why the Bible says, don't judge somebody else. Because you do not know. But what is very clear in the Bible, of course, we do not need to ask the Holy Spirit. But a lot of things are not clear. Okay, And there we need to learn what is clean and what is unclean. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, if you look at verse 18, it is written to those who are sons and daughters. They're already. But then why is he repeating it? He says, you can be my son, can be that, and still not experience me. You feel rejected. You feel unaccepted. You do not feel the love of the Father. That's why the Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Or the love of the Father is not in. It is not that the Father doesn't love you. 
lot of Christians, the father loves everybody. But as Christians don't experience the love of the father is because they do not come apart. They do not, they touch the things which he says do not touch. So therefore they are not able to experience his love. And if you don't experience the father's love, God's love, you literally die. You literally live a life of rejection. Though you are accepted in the beloved, you don't experience it. You know it all by theory. Theory is one thing, experience is another thing. That is what we always talk about Paul. We, we, we talk about this man, especially the book of Philippians. He's lying in chains. But if you look at everything that he says, and then there is one thing, the Lord is near. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit in him. He's talking about the presence of God is very close to him. And that's what makes the difference. To the people he's writing, the Spirit of God is in them. But they don't experience the presence. So he has to say, my God shall supply your need. How can you say that? Because all my needs are met in presence. He's here with me. He's here with me. Okay, And that's where we need to understand where our struggle is. So, we are not being called to leave the world. We are being called not to be worldly. The opposite of godliness is worldliness. Okay, If you turn to John chapter 17, verses 15 to 17. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So God is not even, Jesus is not even praying to take us out of the world. He says, no, you should be in the world. So don't get it wrong. Okay, It's not isolated. This is what the Middle, Middle Ages, what happened. They went into the monasteries, shut themselves in because they had thought that was godliness. God says, no, I, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but they should keep them from the evil, from the, let them be in the world, but they are not of the world, but they should be kept away from the influence of the evil one. Yeah, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by their truth. Your word is truth. What does the word mean? Sanctify means separate. Set them apart. Separate them. So why do we come for the ministry of the word of God? Is so that ultimately, primarily, our mind is set apart. It is set apart from the world. We don't think like the world. We don't think like the world. We think differently. So we are first set apart in our mind. Actually, in real real life, we have first set apart. If people are different, if you realize it's because in their mind they are different. Outwardly, everybody can look like if you look at the Muslims. The Muslims all look the same outwardly in their dress. But thinking-wise, they are not. If you go to some of the parts of the Middle East, they are very simple, tolerant. Now, if you go to Afghanistan, most of the people are very simple. But they are not all Taliban. <laughs> they don't they'll think like Taliban. But if you look at the Taliban, they are also dressed in the same way. But they don't think the same way. They don't think the same way. So we need to understand okay, what worldliness is. So we are not taken out of the world. We are not. We are separated in our mind. And we are then sent right back into the world. What we are called to leave is worldliness. Now, worldliness is the attitude and ideas and therefore the actions. What is worldliness? One, it is an attitude which comes from an idea and then moves into action that primarily leaves God out. God is not in it. And you know God is not in it. And you know God will not be in it. And remember, the world is entirely a set of ideas and attitudes and action. 
when we talk about the world, okay, we talk about the world of politics, the world of business, the world of sports, okay? That's what he's talking about, the world. When God is saying, come out of the world, it is basically talking about not leaving the people. It is talking about the ideas, the attitudes, and which determine their action. He says, you cannot, so you cannot change the action first. You have to change the idea. Law will only control the actions. It does not change the idea. It will not change. So now if you see in Afghanistan, suddenly people threw away all, women are all wearing burqas, covering themselves. 20 years they were not wearing it in Kabul. Then suddenly the Americans left, Taliban came in. Suddenly, I mean, outwardly you have changed. Inwardly, no, you haven't changed. You haven't changed. I'm telling you, it will be more difficult for Taliban to control Afghanistan now than they did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the Americans came and drove them out. 20 years later, the Americans have left. But the problem is, in these 20 years, the Afghans have had other ideas. They have tasted liberty. They know what freedom is like. 20 years earlier, when the Americans came, they did not know what liberty was. Now they know what they have tasted freedom. They have tasted liberty. Okay, so it will work in a different way. Okay, so you need to realize outwardly you can conform, but that doesn't won't change. What matters is have you changed inwardly? So worldliness is primarily in the mind, how you think. So is godliness. How does God think? God thinks in a godly way because He is God. Right? He's God. He thinks all his thoughts are godly. All his things are holy. He is holy, therefore all his thoughts are holy. He is righteous, therefore all his thoughts are righteous. Therefore all his actions are righteous. All his behavior with us is holy. It is godly. And world is different. The world wants to pattern us in its mold. Look at Daniel chapter 1. Then the king instructed Aspenas, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing, first they had to go through a screening, entrance test, before they can join, okay? These are all, entrance didn't start with you. It's been there for centuries, okay? Possessing knowledge, quick to understand who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the child. That's the first thing. Okay, first outward. And intellect. Do they have? No. Aptitude test, basically. No, you have an aptitude. Some people just don't pass aptitude. and They go pick some other profession. You can't handle this. Because they're going to serve the king, they need to have minimum like in the army, minimum height, minimum chest. Okay, they have it. You need to be good looking. Told you, you need to, that's what good looking. And there was no blemish because you are serving the king. If you want to look at it, look behind the governor, behind the Rashtrapati president. There are these officers from the army or navy who are deputed. They'll be tall, they will be very good looking. They do nothing other than stand like this and give a file, but they're good looking. You won't find one eye fellow pairing a pad standing that you don't. You won't find. Okay. All smart looking, really good looking officers will be over there. Because they're picked 
in, including all these things, these things matter. So, but look at that. What are they being taught? They are being taught the language and the literature. See, your mother tongue makes a lot of difference. It's your mother tongue. It's your language. It's your mother tongue. Of course, we have children growing without uh, mother tongues because the mother probably doesn't have tongue. <laughs> okay. But okay, it's a completely generation. And that's what the world has done. If you notice, an entire generation has grown up with uh, some variety of English and computers, which is another language. Okay, Molding everybody into one format, the language. Language matters. Everybody speaks one language. That's what Delhi has been trying to impose for so many years. One language, one people. It doesn't work in India. There is merit in that. Okay, There is merit in that because one language, one people, one language unifies. I remember the little country where I came in from. There are three major tribes. And uh, the ruling tribe with the king's tribe is the smallest. So you have one tribe speaking Nepali, another tribe speaking Zonka, and another large tribe speaking Sarchapa. But the national language is Zonka. And everybody has to compulsorily learn Zonka. One language, one people. And they brought the dress code also in 1989. Everybody has to wear their national dress. One language, one people, one dress code. Okay, why? Because we are a very small country. If we lose our culture, we lose our identity. Identity. Okay? So, old days and all, you couldn't even marry a foreigner. Those people, they had to get permission from the government. Because if you marry, you lose your identity. And we'll see that. God also said, don't marry, intermingle with you, because you lose your identity. So, pagans also pick it up. So, in itself... Per se in itself, there is nothing wrong with these ideas, but you can take a good idea and use it for something else. So you will see here language, one language, everybody, the Babylon language of the Chaldeans. So the Jews are going to learn Chaldean. Chaldean. Not only that, the literature, NCRT syllabus is being changed. We say it's being saffronized. Okay, it is turned saffronized. Before they came in, it was the leftist sitting in all this universe. It was turned red. So you will realize in the syllabus there is ideology, which is true. Most of the, like, um, if you look at uh, the newspaper called Hindu, you'll say it's Hindu, it's the most conservative. No, it's the most leftist newspaper in the country. It's the leftist. Times of India is the most right wing. Okay, honestly, if you want to find something in the middle over there, it is. Uh, Deccan Herald, which is Karnataka-based newspaper, is some more, some more sober. Okay, somewhat sober. So you need to realize it's like CNN and Fox. Two extremes. Okay, so you need to realize when you're talking about literature, it is primarily talking about how you think. That's why I said the most dangerous department is the department of humanities. It's a very dangerous department because it will change the way you think. People go through science and all come out almost unscathed. They become scientific minded. Okay? But you cannot go through the department of humanities without your thinking changing. And you know what? Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar is them. Pick all the smart ones. Give them an aptitude test. Good looking, smart. Pick them up. Put them into training for three years. Teach them literature. Teach them language. Our language, 
our literature. So after three years of rigorous training, when they get into the civil service, we will today call them Babus. But India is run by the Babus. They run India, the Indian Administrative Service, services from IAS down to IRS to IFS to all, so many, they run this country. It is there. This is what is basically happening in Babylonian civil services. Okay, They are going to be prepared. And you know, you know what? When they go and they rule on behalf of the king, their mind, Babylonian. The language, Babylonian. And next, verse 5, their diet has to change. Change their food habits. Food habits. So look at all the young people sitting over here. I mean, some, not all. Look at the young. Their food habits have changed. They prefer American food than Indian. Almost all the young people. Pasta, burger, pizza. What do you want? Pasta. You do not realize it is not taste. It is ideology. It is ideology. It is ideology. It is ideology. Okay? Change their food. Change their food habit. And verse 6. Now among these sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chief of the eunuch gave them names. Daniel, the name Belthasar, changed their names. Daniel, you know from El, it means he belongs to God. Change it to another God. And we do not know how many Indian parents fall for it. They name their children after the local culture. Even our hero who leads worship. What is Ashwin? Ashwin is the wind god of India. Wind god of India. It is not the god of the Bible. We pick names. and I mean, we are not blaming our parents. They did not know. They did not know. What I am saying is that our parents pick names which are according to the Chaldean culture. But our God gives different names. Okay? So you will see everything is being controlled over here. Your language, your mind, how you are going to think, what you are going to eat, what you are going to wear, and ultimately even your name. So when you go out, you are no longer Judah. You are Babylonian. You are Babylonian. And that's what happens in our system. Our children go to colleges and schools. They're supposed to be studying English, physics, maths, chemistry. But after three years, they come out. They look completely different. They did not go the way we sent them. Their clothing has changed. Their food has changed. Their conversation has changed. What they listen to has changed. Their music has changed. What they read has changed. And even changed their name. They make it short. And put a very twist to their names. Yeah, is it? <laughs> okay, okay. We don't want to be called Ax. What's my name? Ax. Not Akila Ax. Okay. And God will say that shucks. <laughs> okay. You know how it happened? If you have to see the pressure, we are talking about you go to US and see how the Indians have changed their names. Okay, how they change their names. The pressure. It's, this is what we are talking about. And God says, you know what? You come out of it. You come out of it. So keep your identity. Don't forget whose you are. 
you will go into the world, the pressure will be high, the system will be there to make you conform to the image of the world. Don't. Don't give in to that pressure. Don't give in to the pressure. How do you handle this pressure? By never forgetting whose you are. And what is the proof of whose you are? It is the Spirit of God in you through whom you were sealed for redemption on that day. And the Spirit of God will cry out within you, Abba, Father. What means? Don't forget whose you are. Don't forget who your father is. Don't forget who your father is. So please understand. So separation itself, it's not a virtue. Okay? But if you, if you, let's come down, if you come to verse 8. Okay? How did these four survive? Because one man and therefore the other three too made a decision. Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. He made a decision in his heart. You know what? I can't, I don't have a grip on the other things. But let me see if I can separate myself from the rest of the crowd in one thing. Okay? We will realize that Daniel is holy at the end. The holy ones of God come to give him messages because you know what? He made a simple decision to be separated from the world and be separated unto God. It's a major decision. It's a small decision. And small decisions will have long-lasting consequences in our life. Either way. Either way. That's the decision he made. And it's interesting he made a decision when he was coming to food. Because when you go to a classroom, you can't tell the teacher what to teach. But you can always decide what you want to hear. Okay, that's how Yavavai came through Iflu. <laughs> Without being affected by the influence that was flowing freely there. In the academic circles. Okay, You can always block it. Okay, you can, uh, you can process it in your mind. Okay, you are hearing it, but that's not what is true. This is what is true. And you can, rece- you can, you can hear those ideas and not receive them can receive them, okay? So, there are so many things which you could... Language also, you can learn a language. Language is good. The more languages you learn, more useful you are in the system, okay? Literature you can process. But he decided, you know what, what I will do is that I will choose what to eat. What to eat. And it really matters. What you eat really matters. There are a lot of foods that defile you. They defile you. And don't look at the pig or anything. I'm not talking about it. The food has a way of defiling you. Okay, defiling you. And uh, let's not make a statement on it, but ask God. He will teach you. (laughs) So separation in itself is not a virtue. Okay, it's not a virtue. It is neutral. What matters is for what and unto whom you separate. Okay. Separation is what the devil also uses. We know from John 10, 10, the devil comes to, the thief comes to steal. That's the devil comes to steal, except to steal, to kill and to destroy. Except, meaning Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how nicely he comes to you, how lovingly he comes to you, how generously he comes to you. His motive never changes. He comes only to steal. Even if he comes with a bag full of money, it is to take your life away. If it is to give you honor, praise and glory, ultimately he will take your soul. He comes only for one reason. What is that? To steal, to kill and to destroy. And we saw 
right? A couple of weeks we saw six stages. Okay? First, he causes doubt. Second, he causes unbelief. Third, out of unbelief, he causes us to transgress what God has spoken, sin, and then separation comes. So separation is something which the devil also uses. What does he do? He separates us from the God who created us, who loves us, who sent his son to redeem us, separates us from his presence, and takes us into the world. Because there is no way to escape. Takes us into the world. He separates us from somebody and separates us into something else. So he also uses separation. God also uses separation. So I said separation is a neutral word. And how does he use it? Has the lure, has the bait? He needs a bait, no? So what is that? He uses temptation. Temptation is his bait. Or uses a bait in his temptation. Okay, that's what he uses. Because after Adam fell, we, we all have the flesh in us. That's a spiritual entity that came to birth when we ate from the fruit of good and evil, tree of good and evil. Flesh came alive. We have knowledge of evil. That was something which God did not want us to know at all. That's why we protect our... What are we protecting our children from? From the knowledge of evil. We're protecting them, protecting them. We know we cannot protect them for all life. But we are trying to protect them for as long as we can and in the meantime they grow in the knowledge of good and then they will be able to handle evil. That's why the Bible says when it comes to evil, be innocent of evil but you don't stop that. Be excellent of what is good. Otherwise if you are innocent of evil and innocent of good, then evil will overcome. Evil will overcome. So if you see that, that was what God was trying to do. He's protecting them from evil. Don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from that tree. If you eat from that tree, you will die. So we were born with the knowledge of it's there in the flesh. We don't have it in our head. It is in our flesh. And what does the law do? The law brings it alive. That is why by keeping the law, nobody will be righteous. Actually, sin is birthed. Sin is awakened in us until the law said, do not. Paul says, I did not know. Lord of these things, children do not know. Parents will go somewhere, watch somewhere and tell the child, don't do it. And the child doesn't even know what it is. And suddenly because the mama said or dad said, don't do it, suddenly it is is something like that also, which I can experiment now. Thank you, mommy. Okay, for introducing, thank you, daddy, for introducing me to that. Okay. <laughs> so he uses temptation. Okay, he uses temptation. We have the flesh in us. The desires in the flesh. And he has created this entire world, which is a mixture of good and evil. This entire world, it's not evil. It's a mixture of good and evil. If it is evil, nobody will go there. There are, there are parts of even in this city where people don't go at all because they know there is no mixture there. It is evil. You will get mugged. You will get killed. And only those who are in evil go there. So if, if some parts of the cities, even the cops go only in groups in every city, there are areas where cops don't go easily. They will go only in groups because they know even for them that area is dangerous. So most of the world is not like that. It's a mixture of good and evil. He has to mix it. If it is not mixed, we will not bite it. Okay, We will not bite it. So what does he do? He tempts us. The flesh in us the world outside, and once we are tempted and we fall, the Bible says it causes separation. 
59 and verse 2. Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins has hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It is not iniquity that comes first. It is sin that comes first. Okay, We sin. When we sin, God hides his face from us. What does that mean? All the children know. We also know. We do something. Dad and mom did not hide their face. The expression changes. Expression changes. Is dad there? Yes. Is mom there? Yes. But they are not smiling like before. Expression. Basically, they are hiding the happy face from you. Now you have a choice. You have a choice running to God, running to your father and mother, repenting and saying sorry or be stiff. Okay? If you continue to be stiff, what happens? Your sin has moved into iniquity. Now you are doing it again. Now it is empowering you. What happens? It separates you from the father. First he hides his face. Then it separates you from what? From fellowship. It doesn't mean the father doesn't care for you. He pays your fees, he puts food on your table, you get your clothes, but you know there is a breakdown in fellowship. God still takes care of his creation. What happens is there is a breakdown of fellowship. Breakdown of fellowship. And what happens? We are isolated. If we don't repent and run back to God, we are isolated. From what? From God and from the church. The church is the main hurt. The devil is a lion. He knows he cannot fight the herd. He cannot fight the herd. The herd is too powerful for him. If they stampede, they will trample him into pieces. So you know what he does? He's always looking for the loner, the one who has isolated. The one who has isolated. And you know what he does? He tempts them. And they sin. And this, without, because they don't repent and go back to the loving Father, they isolate themselves. Once they isolate themselves, they are prey for the enemy. That's what 1 Peter 5 says. Be sober, be smart, be wise. 5 8. Why? Because the lion, that fellow, was looking for whom? Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking. Okay, he's going and then he sees the loner. Poor fellow is gone. If you see National Geographic, that fellow is gone. Okay. So, like I said, the devil does not have anything original. He just takes a page out of God's own playbook and uses it for his benefit. So, God says to his child, come. Take a step out of the world. And once we hear and obey, we are being separated from the world and the lives of the world unto God and the truth of God. One step at a time. Because we are talking about holiness. Because holiness is acquired by walking with God one step at a time. Until we are perfect. That's what it means about Enoch. Seventh from Adam. Okay, and God took him. Each step we take towards God, it is like taking a step into brighter light and hotter fire. Because he is both light and fire. He shows us what is in us that he doesn't like. And then if we allow him, he will allow it to be consumed. Okay. He reveals what is displeasing to him in us. 
then we have the choice because we have free will we have the choice obviously we want to get rid of it and if we have to make the right choice he will do it and we will do it he won't do it without us and we can't do without him that's how it works it's not the devil it's not like the devil we can't do without him and he won't do it without us james chapter 4 verse 8 to 10 draw near to god as that holiness comes from walking with god drawing near to god and he will draw near to you immediately the tone changes i mean he's not being nasty here okay some because we are nasty sounds nasty to us but if we are inside we love god it will sound loving you know, cleanse your hands i mean think about it him is here sara is here abigail three children are here um evening just in the play and they come in such so as since it's abi emi wash your hands time for snacks is that nasty no but we don't like washing hands it sounds nasty to us <laughs> wash your hands you sinners <laughs> okay now stalking a word okay i mean if the mother is say wash your hands and your feet you come from outside you're filthy is this true it is true how is it filthy it's filthy compared to the home and compared to the parent who is in the kitchen who has washed everything and everything is clean and god is saying compared to me you are filthy your hands are dirty and you are double minded you know why because emmy will say why do i have to wash my hand can i hit you see you are double minded you are half in the world and half in the house almost all of us said do i have to wash my hands can i have this snack i'm so hungry can I? no go wash your hands and come okay that's a double minded okay double minded and then because it is god when we get closer to him not his holiness but his heart to see how we have hurt him bible says lament and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom and then he says humble yourself in the sight of the lord and he will lift you these are not nasty words okay these are not nasty words so this is when we draw near to god and if we draw near to god and nothing has happened to us it's simply because god did not draw near to us that's why people can go to church come out untouched go to church and untouch we think i've gone to church attended worship i've drawn near to god no you didn't you went to a building god didn't draw near to you because if god draws near to you it will have its effects god has never drawn near to any man and where his life was not changed even if it was saul king saul when the spirit came upon him he became a different man and when the spirit left him he became another man both are true okay so we have to do it god will do it second timothy chapter 221 and first thessalonians therefore if anyone cleanses himself from the lap so we have to do it we cleanse what will be he'll be a vessel of honor sanctified set apart or holy and useful for the master so we have to do it god will not do it for us we have to do it and when we are willing to do it god will help us to do it and first thessalonians 5 23 now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful 
who also will do it. So we have to do it and he will do it. It will only work that way. In religion, it doesn't work like that way. You are doing it all by yourself. That's why it does not matter. In religion, you cannot change. You can be the most orthodox in your theology. And yet, in the heart, you are no different. Let me explain to you. So that modern, current example, Taliban has taken over Afghanistan. They are going to bring strict Sharia law. Okay, On one side is China. China has hundreds and thousands of Uyghur Muslims in their camps. Okay, Muslims in the camp. Then you have UAE, the more tolerant form of Sharia. Taliban has already struck a deal with China saying that they will not interfere with the Uyghur Muslim cause. They will not allow Afghanistan to be a haven for Uyghur separatists. Got it? So what happened to your Sharia? You compromised over there. You go to the most tolerant in the Middle East among Islam, UA. And yesterday, two days back, the report came that China has a secret prison for Uyghur Muslims of China in Dubai. So you look at that compromise. You shouldn't be, shouldn't you be thinking Uyghur Muslims are our brothers in China and they are being persecuted for the same faith? Same faith. And they are being, really, if you read the reports, they are being beaten, the women are raped, organs are harvested, they are being indoctrinated completely to become communists, sent into indoctrination camps, and suddenly you're... That's what I said. Religion will never change your heart. It will never change your heart. It cannot change you. You cannot become holy on your own. God has to do that. The same thing happens to all of us. That's why God did not accept the offering of Cain. God was not in it. Can be the best, but God will not accept it. So I, I or you cannot become, even though all the format is given, we can never become what God wants to become until we involve God in it. So I have my part and God has his part. Humble thyself in the sight of God and he shall exalt you. What do I do? We do. We have to humble ourselves before God. We cannot lift ourselves up. That only God can do. We can only do what God tells us to do. But we cannot change. It is God who changes us. Changes us. So understand how, how subtle and shallow every religion is. Any religion, all, including Christianity. It's the same. Without God, you are a terrorist. Honestly, you are a terrorist. Without God, you are a terrorist. Because that is what happened in the Middle Ages. That's what Christians did to one another. For hundreds of years, what Catholics did to Protestants, Protestants did to Catholics, Protestants did to Protestants. Okay, what did they do? It is religion without God. In the name of God. Okay, so please understand. It is not any party. Every religion is like that. Okay, so holiness happens only because of a daily walk. It is the result of a walk. That's why we are called to walk by faith. Walk by faith meaning walk with God. If you come to Hebrews chapter 11 verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> by faith Enoch was taken away. So he did not see death. And was not found. Because God had taken him. 
For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And we always talk about verse 6, but verse 6 is about verse 5. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder, rewarder of those who digitally. Who is he talking about here? Though it can stand on its own, he's talking, he's talking about, you know, that every day he woke up, he believed God is. And he walked with God every day. He is, not he was. Oh, he will be. And God was the reward. What was the reward that, you know, God? God walked with him. And then in this time, God said, you know what? You're too close to home. Let's go home. You don't have to go back home. That's how a Sunday school child wrote. Enoch and God went for a walk. And when they finished the walk, Enoch was closer to God's house than his. So God says, now you come and stay in my house. And the simplest, most beautiful translation, the walk. Enoch was so close to God's house. God said, why do you have to go back to your house? Now you stay in my house. Okay, And that's what it means. Every day he believed he is. And he's a rewarder. What is the reward? <laughs> What's the reward? God gave himself to Enoch. Okay? And that's what the Bible is talking about. In Genesis 5 and verse 24, only one line. What is that? Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Why would God take a man alive? Because he was holy. Because God is holy. Be holy as I am holy. Uh, how did he become holy? By walking with God. How does a child learn things? By walking with the parents. Walking with the parents. The parents teach them. Either they learn by observing or they learn because a parent is teaching them. Two ways. Observance and teaching. Okay? A child does not learn anything on its own. Because they come with an empty mind. It's vacuum. So how does a child primarily learn the first four or five years of its life? It learns by walking with the parents. So in Deuteronomy, God says, when you walk with them, this is what you need to be. You know what? When they grow up, they will know who I am because they saw who I was to you. Okay? That is what Paul was talking about, Timothy. The faith that was in your grandmother and your mother is in you. Though your father is Greek. Father is Greek. He didn't walk with you. You walked with your mother. You walked with your grandmother. So it is in you. Okay? Understand. If you come to Jude chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly. Okay, the whole thing is there about. So what does he talk about? How did he know about his judgment? Why would God talk to a man about the judgment upon the ungodly practically 6,000 years before it happens? Why? Because he understood the holiness of God and he understood ultimately holiness has to judge. How did he understand about judgment? Because ultimately there is a judgment and the judgment is between the godly and the ungodly. Okay? That's what he learned. That there is going to be a judgment. Okay? Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generation. How did, how did he become a just man? How did he become perfect? In his, he walked with God. It's a simple about Because he walked with God, the judgment will come in his generation. Okay, When God judges, he has to judge between the godly and the ungodly. So you will see in both cases and what will ultimately happen. What does a walk lead to? 
it leads to what we call the final separation. It's a final separation that is coming between the sheep and the goats, the godly and the ungodly. There's a final separation coming. But your separation from the world, my separation from the world, is a sign that a final separation is coming. That's why the Bible says, us who are believe, who are saved and walking with God, we are the aroma of life to one side, the aroma of death to another. They see in us judgment. Okay, and that's what it talks about Noah by his righteous. He condemned the world. Okay, condemned the world. Okay, and they don't like us because we condemn the world. So the world says, you know what? We, we cannot walk under this condemnation. You do one thing, just become like us, and you know what? If you look all around the world, honestly, if you look all around the world, Hinduism is not changing. Islam is not changing. Buddhism is not changing. Judaism is not changing. It is Christianity alone that is changing and become worldly because Christianity is the only one which has the power to condemn. Islam does not have the power to condemn. You look look outside Islam, ask anybody, do you want your Muslim? They will say no. If you ask anybody, if you want your Hindu, it's fun. If you ask a Buddhism, they will say it is nice. But if you look at the actual Christianity, it has the power to condemn. So where does the devil go? It goes up to the church and makes it worldly. So it has no power to condemn. It has no power to judge. That's what his indictment about the church in Laodicea. He says, you know what? Either be hot or be cold. Either get out on fire for God. Don't be lukewarm because when you are lukewarm, you bring no conviction to the world. And I will have to spew you out. That's what he's talking about. And that's what God is talking about, all of us. You, you cannot have two sides. He says, either be on fire for me. They will hate you because of my namesake. But they also will be convicted because they will know there is a God. There is a God who is holy. That's if you look at Taliban, it's not a God who is holy. It's a God who is cruel. Cruel. Who kills its their own people. In Afghanistan, in the past 20 years, around 2,500 American soldiers died. But how many Afghanis died? Over 100,000. ISIS and Taliban and Al-Qaeda have killed more Muslims than the other people. You need to understand. That's what religion does. Cain kills his own brother from the beginning. We need to understand those religions do not have the power to convict anybody of righteousness or the holiness of God. It does not have the power. It does not have. But grace has. Truth has. The Holy Spirit has. And that's what the Bible is talking about. So there is going to be a final separation. And the final separation is mentioned in chapter 20 and verse 14 and 15 of Revelation. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know what happened? God says, you know what? This end is signified when you take one step out of the world towards God. You are signifying this is the end. But those who don't walk that, take that step, they will end up here. 21, 1 to 3 is talking about the city coming and God dwelling. The step you take towards God will end up there. God will dwell with you. You will be his son. He'll be your father. No sorrow, no grief. So every step we take is either to that side or to this side, to the lake of fire or the presence of God. So there is separation happening even when we do not see it, a separation towards 
God or away from God. The end is given in the last three chapters of where people end. So separation is the first step to holiness. First step. Separation from. And separation unto. Okay? So, let us stop for a few seconds and examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Because we are talking to believers. We are not talking to non-believers. Nobody who is listening is a non-believer. So, all the letters are written to the believers. Examine yourself as whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Now, let me tell you something. Jesus always, among us, Jesus and we use, Jesus always used illustrations to make a point clearer. Okay? And he used from there. He's a simple people, so he used from the farming, sheep, goats, you know, father, son, simple rural crowds, so he used illustrations. Because if you go into the rural crowds and missions, we cannot use city illustrations. They won't understand anything. In the city, we use rural, this thing. You don't understand anything. So with the Nepali crowd, I said, you know, I always say, we, we're talking about we, uh, cooked on fire with sticks, with wood. Okay? And they understand it. Because I did, they did. But if you we were talking about that, you will say all gas. No? So you cannot use a gas illustration because they understand that. Is that you put a pile of sticks, you light a fire, it is, you have a bonfire. You take one stick out and keep it. It's burning for a little while and it dies off. That's what the devil does. He isolates you and your fire dies out. Fire dies out. We are supposed to stay together, encourage one another as the day approaches. You are isolated. The devil will isolate you see, if you use illustrations, which people need to, I mean, in these children, if you use illustrations, we have to find new illustrations for them. Because they are a different generation altogether. Okay, that is why we as pastors also have to read upon new texts for their sake. So let me give you an illustration from the stock market. Okay, I mean, no, you don't know stock market. The older ones know something about stock market, Okay. To judge the value of a stock, okay, if you view the business page of Hindu, you will see stock, okay. Many, many years ago, I had a few stocks, sold it, made my money, and retired happily, I continued with my ministry, okay. Let's say a stock is trading at 100 rupees. Another stock is trading at 500 rupees. And you want to invest. And you look at, look now. Reliance A is running at 100. Reliance B is running at 500. I have 10,000 rupees. You know what? I think I will bet on that 500. Because it's value. And if you look at both these stocks, both was brought into the market on the same day. January 1st, 2020, no, 2018. One is 100, in the, uh, 2010. So one is 100, one is 500. I think I'll go for the 500. That's not how you look at it. We have to look whether it reached its current value on the way up or on the way down. Suddenly you look, the one at 100 was 10, 30, 60, 100. 
the one it's at 500 you see it had started at 2000 1500 1500 so is with us don't look at your spiritual state of where you are standing now i have to ask are you going up or are you coming down where are you is your stock up stock down Look at how you were a year back, two years back, three years back, four years back. That's what God comes and tells the first church in Ephesus. You know what? You're good. Trading is good. Pretty good trading. But you know what? You're on the way down. Look from the height you have fallen. Okay? Height you have fallen. That's what I said. Let's take a minute. Because sometimes... We could get it completely wrong. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Okay. Two people left at the same time. Same time. Years later, let us fast forward. 24 years later. Okay, 24 years later, we are fast forwarding. Words, actions are almost identical. Genesis chapter 18, 1 to 3. The Lord appeared to him by the cherubim trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes <coughs> and looked. And behold, three men were standing by him. When he saw them, he ran from the tendo to meet them, bowed himself to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if I have now favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Genesis 19, 1 and 2. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting in the gate of the Sodom. He saw them. He rose to meet them. He bowed down himself, his face towards the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house. Spend the night. Wash your feet. You may rise early. Go on your way. Identical. Absolutely identical. 25 years later, both of them have a visitation. Divine visitation. And their action. And their words are absolutely identical. But places are not. One is in the promised land, in Mamre, living in a tent. The other is in a house in the city called Sodom. Lot has gone up in the world, but he has gone down with God. Abraham has remained as he always was, separate. Lot had given up his separation. And according to the word of God, both were righteous, but only one was holy. Both were righteous. One was holy. Abraham will sup with God and receive a promise which is forever. Lot is given a warning that if he doesn't get out, he will perish. So you don't go by the stock. You need to look whether it's on the way up or on the way down. <coughs> Otherwise, we will get fooled by the outer appearances. Both bow down. Humble. Both invited for a meal. 
both give a meal. But in one will receive a blessing which will pass on forever unto us. The other will receive a warning and a judgment. So like I said, two were righteous. One was holy. And holiness is determined by our walk with God. Lot could not become holy because he never walked with God. Lot could be righteous because he understood some of the ways of God. You can be righteous. Righteous is how you deal with others. You can be righteous in your dealing with others, but you cannot become holy. Holiness comes from a walk with God alone. Otherwise, you cannot be holy. It's not possible to be holy. To be holy, you need to walk with God. Noah is blameless in his generation because he walked with God. Enoch was taken up to heaven when I was alive because he walked with God. Abraham walked with God. Okay, if you look at it. So, Abraham, Genesis 12, 1, and Acts 7, 2, and 3. The Lord said to Abraham, had said to Abraham, not said to Abraham, it's talking about what had happened earlier. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Acts chapter 7, 2 and 3. Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, get out of your country, from your relatives, come to a land, I will show you. Three things. The first call to that man is what? Separate. Leave this country. Separate from your family, from your household, and go to the land, I will show you. So there is a separation. From the separation unto. Okay. Abraham did the first, but he failed to do the second. Therefore, he didn't experience the third. He did the first. He left his country, but he didn't leave his family. Therefore, he did not enter into the land God. God did not show him. God did not show him. Abraham is like, he's the forefather of King Saul in the beginning. I have obeyed. Really? You obey? Then what is that? I hear. What's the bleeding I hear? I obeyed. You left your country? Yes. You leave your family? Uh, no. Okay. Leave your, because it's, it's an unbelieving family, idolatrous family, and he's a married man, okay? We are not asked talking to children here, okay? Okay, okay, okay. We are not talking to children, so don't misunderstand. Understand the spiritual. He did one, he did two, didn't do two. So God didn't do three. We will never experience or we will never find out where he is taking us unless we leave what he tells us to leave. That is why many of God's children are wandering in the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord is near because we have not left the things which he told us to leave. Therefore, he is not able to show us where he is taking us. Right with the first father of faith, the principle is till the same. If you don't leave what he calls us to leave, he will not show us where he is taking it. So you will see Christians are all earthbound. They have no vision of heaven, no excitement about heaven. They only hear about Taliban and this thing. They are afraid of tribulation. Nobody is excited about rapture. 
One of the two will happen. Either you will be excited about rapture or you will be terrified about tribulation because both are realities. But what is your reality? Why are you not excited about rapture is because you have done one, you have been done two. And therefore God is not able to show you three where he is taking you. Genesis chapter 11 verses 31 and 32. Terah took his son Abraham and his grandson's son, the son of Haran, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife, and they went out from there, okay? And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Instead of separating from his father, he took, or rather, allowed his father to decide his actions, to lead him. His father, Terah, to lead him, and his nephew also went along. Okay, the Bible says Terah. And they lived there. He allowed his father to lead him. Or he took his father along. He took his nephew also along. When God had said him, leave your household. Isaiah 51 and verse 1 and 2. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you are hewn. And to the hole of the pit from which you are dug. Look to Abraham your father. To Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone. Mark it that. He didn't call Terah. He didn't call. He called him alone. Blessed him and increased him. He didn't call Terah. He didn't call Lot. He only called Abraham. I called him alone. And if you look at it, God does not see Abraham and Sarah as two entities. He sees it always as one. And if you want to have proof of it, read the book of Job. And in the book of Job, he tells Satan, don't touch him. You can do whatever you want. Don't touch him. Don't touch his person. Okay? And the devil does not touch his wife. Touches everything. He doesn't touch his wife because God does not. And the devil understands the kingdom of God. He doesn't see Mrs. Job has separate from Mr. Job. Okay? And then when his body is touched, only Job's body is touched and not his wife. Otherwise, I said, you don't worry. You're covered. You are covered. And we as men need to need to pray because when really tough times come to come, we need to say that, you know, Lord, one thing I ask of you, the women folk in our home, let them not be touched. Touch us. Let them not be touched. And Job's wife was not touched. He was touched. We need to always protect them. And that is the church. That is Christ. Who do you want? Me. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. Okay? So, But Abraham is the other way. He will send Sarah to protect his skin. Okay? But still God, I mean, God is awesome, right? Okay. So there is Abraham. And what does the name Terah mean? It means delay. The meaning of the word Terah is delay. Because we refuse to obey God fully, we delay to enter into his plan and his promises for us. Why is this delay? Because his plan and his promises is connected entirely with the person we be. We all, Lord, show me your plan. God says, I have a plan for you, don't worry. But become the person who can fulfill that plan. And that person only happens when you walk with God. We are interested in the plan. God is interested in the person. So it is easier to give a plan than to make a person. Like I said about Moses, Israel is crying out, groaning, all the cries of God is receiving, God is all crying. God is not doing anything, but it's a plan. And he's not ready. Entire salvation of Israel coming out of Egypt is tied to one man called Moses. He's busy looking after sheep. 
is not ready. Israel's deliverance is delayed by 40 years because that man is not ready. To deliver Israel, it took God only one day. To get this man ready, it took him 40 years. And we are thinking, Lord, when is my breakthrough? God says breakthrough is like this. Will you be the person who can handle that breakthrough? Why? Why am I not? He says, no, you have not left the things I told you to leave. Therefore, I am not able to walk with you. Terror means delay. And we know the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. How does he steal? One of the ways he steals is by delaying. It steals. Somebody wrote an incredible uh, article about time. Ask an Olympic athlete who lost the goal by point of zero one seconds. Okay? Or a person who lost a loved one because the ambulance was late. Or a man who left, missed his interview because he missed his flight. Think about it, delay, what delay can do. Delay. You know? And how does the devil steal? He steals. I mean, he doesn't come and break into your house. No, he steals by delaying you. By delaying your obedience. If he cannot right away, outrightly stop it, what will he do? He will delay it. And delay is a form of stealing. Like delayed obedience is a form of disobedience. Because the Bible says, Abraham stayed in Haran till Terah dies. So the question is, when did he live Ur? And when did Terah die? How old was Abraham when he left the Ur of the Chaldeans? We don't know. Was he 70? Then 5 years. Was he 65? Then he's 10 years. Was he 60? Then he's 15 years. 15 years. You don't have to look at the promises fulfilled and all. That's not 15 years of your walk with God gone. 15 years are wasted to prepare to become the man of God you should be, or the woman of God you should be, because you did not leave what God told you to leave, because there were sentiments attached to it. God says, Abraham says, I love my father. God says, I love your father too. But you can walk with your father who doesn't believe in me and walk with me at the same time. You cannot. You will have to choose Abraham, who you want to walk with. This is our fundamental issues. Note this. All of us, no man is an island. When God calls a man, many lives are tied up with that call. See that in time. When Abraham delayed Israel delayed. You have to see that in time. All the years Abraham spent in Haran was lost for Israel. You getting the picture? Let's let us say about tomorrow. Let us say service begins at nine o'clock. Pastor Vijay is ten minutes late. Is he alone late? No, he's late. Justin is late. Abigail is late. Emmy is late. Does Abigail and Emmy have any reason? Are they late? Let us say he was the reason that was late. Are they late because they were late? No. They were late because the father was late. So Abraham is late. Israel is late. Down to everybody. Abraham is late. 15 years. Israel is late. Christ is late. Church is late. 
you are late, I am late. We all got delayed because he was late. So everybody's delay affects somebody else. Everybody, it's it's as a domino effect. Okay, that is why God talks about redeem your time. He'll say, no, I am not every. You are not, but in your own way, you are. There are others who will be delayed because of you. Okay, okay, delayed because of you. So that's how you have to look at it. Or simple example, Olympics, in the relay race, the first guy delays. Everybody is delayed. Right? Everybody. Okay. But it doesn't matter how fast you are. That's the, the main thing is how you start. That is why if you practice for this, they will teach you for days how to take off. Because the taking off the blocks matter. The one who takes off the blocks is the one who will. So if that fellow is delayed, all down the line is delayed. Okay. All down the line is delayed. So that's basically what happens. And when the father delays, then the grandson delays for 20 years. Down the line it's going delay, 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 delay. And God is so patient. He's waiting, okay? I am patient. I am long suffering because everybody down the line is delaying. Understand? But until he's separated, God cannot reveal. God sees our heart, our hearts and our attachments. And as long as Terra is alive, there is no point speaking. There is no point even talking about the blessings and the inheritance. None of these things. You see, God did not tell him anything about the blessings and the inheritance as long as Terra was. You know what? It will only make you miserable. Honestly, if you are attached to somebody or something more than God, and then God comes and says, you know what, leave, I have this plan for you, and these blessings and everything for you, you know what, you won't leave because you are attached to it, and you will long it, now you are miserable, and after some time you start angry and say, you are the reason I am missing my blessing. God says, no, that's not the reason, you are not willing to leave. Why are you blaming? That is was never part of the blessing. It was never called, don't blame Tara, you are the reason. So you know what, God in his kindness will never reveal what he has for you. And God does not reveal to Abraham. God does not reveal to Abraham. You know why? Because he's not ready to leave. And as soon as his father dies, God reveals. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5. Then Abraham took his wife and Lot his brother's son. Genesis 11, we saw Terah was leading. In Genesis 12, Abraham is leading. Now the problem is, just because we are now in control, we think we can handle a little disobedience. Earlier I couldn't do anything because my father was leading me. So blame it on the father. Now I am in control. Father said, leave your country, leave your household. But you know, I can handle a lot. Come along a lot. Still will not work. Okay. Lot means wailed or hidden. God sees the end from the beginning. So he already knows all the hindrances. Our eyes are veiled. God's eyes are not. So he already knows the hindrances that are in the way. That is why he made a general statement, leave your household. He didn't leave Lot. 
faith and feelings do not mix well unless the only condition faith and feelings mix well is when your feelings are serving your faith okay when your feelings are serving your faith is the only time feeling is good otherwise feelings are bad they are terrible genesis 13:11 Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of Lot, like the land of Egypt, as you go down Zor. And verse fourteen, fifteen. Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated lift up your eyes now look everywhere for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever Now look at this because you allowed your feelings to determine your faith you took Lot along when you took him along you did not realize down the line this was going to happen so you know what you gave Lot the first choice and what he chose was your children's inheritance one day you see what he chose was his abraham's descendants inheritance because god said look around all that is his but another guy has already chosen now what he will do he will go and generate descendants who will live in the land and those people will fight your children you know why because you allowed feelings to go ahead of faith that's what he chose the question is is lot righteous yes is lot holy no why because he is never separated unto god he is separated unto god okay now lot is separated from abraham and because lot is separated from abraham the bible says in verse 14 after lot had separated from him lift your eyes now and look till then god is not able to speak to him god is not able to speak to him. That's what I said. This is progressive. If God has to speak to you, then you have there has to be this constant separation from the world. Now, the only thing that represents the world in his life is Lot. The attachment he has from his past. When Lot lives, God says, "Look, he's able to see what he didn't see before. He has gone many mornings and looked all around and says, 'Nice view, nice sky.' Took a picture also and posted as WhatsApp DP. But now when he looks, it is different." why god has opened his eyes which is the same thing i'm telling you every time you separate in your heart and you read the word you will see new things because then only god will open your eyes otherwise he will not open your eyes and reveal himself in the word you know why people are bored with the word of god and they give their word because their eyes are not open because they won't separate themselves unto god therefore he doesn't open their eyes that is why paul says it is revelation it is revelation where revelation is not given where there is no separation and every time abraham separates you will see he receives a revelation when he separates from his father he receives a revelation when he allows lot to go he receives a revelation every revelation is about his future and about god and god's plan for him and his descendants you know what we want revelation without separation i'm telling you it does not happen it does not happen we want I'm not talking about a gift of prophecy. A gift of prophecy is a revelation for somebody else. It doesn't do you any good. 
the gift of knowledge is for somebody else it is not for you you can have all the gifts of the revelation of the spirit and never receive anything for yourself we are not talking about that we are talking about god speaking to you which comes from revelation separation and you walk with god and god reveals his heart to you so in genesis 13 and verse 10 we saw a lot he looked yeah verse 11 i think Yeah, Lot ten. Uh, he looked his, lifted his eyes, saw. How did he see? Like the Garden of Eden, and the land of Egypt. Divided heart. That's a problem. When you are not separated, you see differently. You have double vision. What do you call that in? Okay, we don't have that term. We won't understand that. Okay, you know, your vision is split. Okay. you will see things you will see things which are not there he saw the garden of eden and egypt he saw both divided okay why why are you able to see things and you think it is real it is real physically it spiritually it is deadly because how you see matters because how you see is ultimately you will choose that is why the bible talks about the eyes of understanding to be open so that we see clearly otherwise we will see like why because he is not separated he is not separated that's why his heart is divided if you are not separated your heart is divided then with your heart you will see look at exodus 12 and verse 38 a mixed multitude went up with them also this is where the trouble came the entire trouble started which then spread like corona entire camp got covid why because there was a group of them who were not separate they were mixed mixed multitude went so separation is important if the separation is not important even if god were to show us something we will not be able to see his plans and purposes even if he were to bless us with something we are not able to really enjoy it we'll keep on because separation is in there there is always doubt and unbelief doubt unbelief sin separation but when you are sep- not separated doubt unbelief and transgression will always follow if you look at the children of israel for 40 years what were they they always doubted god they did not believe him and they t- kept on transgressing and they were never separated unto god okay never separated unto god and reason there's a mixed multitude if you come to numbers 11 1 to 4 and when the people complained it displeased the lord The Lord heard it and his anger was aroused so the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Okay? Now look at it. They are complaining. They are complaining and the fire of God fell. When the fire of God fell, some people were burned, some people were killed. But look at where were they killed? They were killed at the outskirts. The mixed multitude is always at the outskirts. Even if they sit in the front row, they still are in the outskirts. It's a spiritual position you take. They are in the outskirts. the heart is never sold out for god they are never fully there with god so they are at the outskirts they are the first to complain and they are first to be judged first to complain you know and that's what god is talking about you know why why is this happening to them it's because they are not separated unto god they are not separated they are mixed they are at the outskirts they complain the fire falls and then you come the people cried out moses prayed fire was quenched so he called the name of that place tabera because the fire of the lord had burned among them 
And then verse 4, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. Again, the mixed multitude. The next judgment is ready. Who are these? These are the ones who never separated themselves. And the church is composed of like that. Children of Israel came out of the world you know, and there's a mixed multitude and there is no separation among them. And all they face is the kindness of God on one side and the severity of God on the other side because they will never, they do not experience the presence of God. Is God with them? Yeah. Do they experience? No. Do they become holy? No. Why? Because they won't walk with him. Like I said, you cannot learn holiness. You cannot learn holiness. The mixed multitude among them. So Lot represents that unsurrendered areas in our life. Those who live in the outskirts. So the question is, what is the trajectory of your life with God? We all are you, are you on the way up or are you on the way down? Where are you? On the outskirts? Okay, it's interesting. Outskirts matter. You don't know how much outskirts matters. If you take a political map of America, cities, blue, countryside, red. And how do people win or lose elections? With the outskirts, which is called the suburban. And suburban women did not like Trump's words. <laughs> well, sit and have your soup now. It is a suburban. What is suburban? Outskirts. Are they in the city? No. Are they in the countryside? No. They are in the middle. And you know what? They bring the nation down. They bring the nation down. People in the countryside, determined. We are red. We are conservative. People in the city, determined. We are going to hell with Biden. It's okay. We are determined. But the suburban people are the ones who determine. Who brought Israel down? The people in the outskirts. The mixed multitude. They brought Israel down. Because it spread. Ultimately spread. So separation is the first step. As we close Romans 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Okay, Don't conform. The world is a set of ideas, attitudes and actions. Ideas, attitudes and action. It's a whole set. Don't conform to that. But by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to that pattern. And you know why? That's what where we are living. We are living in Babylon right now. Okay? There are two things which are interesting if you if you know if you know your science and my little science, if you have seen movies. You have aeroplanes and you have submarines. When the submarine or a boat or anything that goes down, if it goes down deep into the water, eat the water will flatten you. Okay? So it flattens. So how does a sub submarine? Because inside it is pressurized. So the pressure inside is equal or more than the pressure outside. So it is able to sustain. In the aircraft, if you have not, it's the other way around. So when you see these movies where the door goes, everybody flies out. If it happens in submarine, they are all made into masala. There, everybody goes out. Now, we are living here in a high-pressure world. There is enormous pressure from the world, from every side. 
conform to the pattern of the world. The question is, can we handle it? If God is not with us? That's what the Bible says. He gives the spirit without measure. You want to handle the pressure outside? You need to have something inside which can withstand the pressure. Withstand the pressure. Otherwise you will know what? You will start conforming little by little by little. Things will be easy. The devil will say, you're on my side. system will say, you're on my side. Life will be easy. But the problem is, there is a day of separation coming. That is the danger. There's a day of separation coming. Okay, The day of separation is not like the submarine. It is like the aeroplane. Suddenly the doors will open and if you have nothing inside, everything will fly out. Everything will fly out. And that's what the Bible says. Many will reach there empty. Everything that has in flew out because you had nothing inside. Nothing inside. Okay. That is what it means. Keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. Think on things that are above. Things that are above. John 14 and verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing in me. What does it mean? There was no point of contact. If you look into Jesus' mind, there's nothing of the world in him. Though he knows the world very well, better than any one of us. Nothing of the world in him. The devil is not able to touch him anywhere. His flesh is dead. His mind is entirely renewed by the word of God. So the devil has no world to touch him. No point to touch him. Yeah. And God says, this is how you need to grow. Where the world cannot touch you. Because there is no world in you. There is no world in you. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. So when the world puts pressure, you have nothing to lose. What can you take from me? Because I have nothing. I have nothing for him to take from me. Mm. Yet, if you notice... He's right there in the middle of the world, Jesus. Meeting hundreds and thousands of people from every walk of life. Ministering to them. Yet the world does not touch him. Think about it. Can you actually be meeting people of the world from every walk of the world and have nothing of the world touch them? And every time somebody touches them, what happens is something flows from you into them and nothing from them into you. Think about it. Think Honestly, think about it. What happens is every time somebody touches Jesus, virtue flows into them. And every time somebody touches him, the world doesn't flow into him. Doesn't flow into him. So he's not isolating us. He's not isolating us. He's insulating us. He's not isolating us from the world. No, we cannot be isolated. Then how do we witness? How do we witness? No. Why? Because he was absolutely obedient and separated to the Father. Therefore, the Father gave him spirit without measure. The final words for today. We had looked at that in the morning. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. What does all these words mean? There are five adjectives there. Chosen, royal, priest, holy, special. 
You know what these five? All five demand separation. Intent means separation. If you are chosen, meaning you have been chosen out of something, so you are separate. If you are royal, that means you are not of normal lineage. You are separate. If you are a priest, you are not an ordinary person. You are separate. If you are holy, you are not with the rest of the crowd. You are separate. If you are special, you are not with the rest. All of that demand separation and implies separation. These are not titles. These are facts. And the fact that is possible only by and through the Spirit of God. And that's where we need to realize because the devil also uses separation. Also uses separation. God also uses separation. When God uses separation, he insulates us with his righteousness, with his holiness and sends us into the world. When the devil uses separation, he isolates us from God and God's people and devours us. We need to ask ourselves, which separation are we into? Because the first part of being holy is separation. Be separate is the cry of heaven. And touch nothing unclean. And I shall be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters. Amen? We shall pray. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Through it all, Father. As they say in the world, we are living now in a post-Christian society. Therefore, the pressure on the last generation will be intense, O oh Lord. It will be intense. It will be exactly like what Daniel and his friends had to go through. It will touch every facet of our life. And we will be told, bend, bow, or burn. And I pray, Father, and all of us, and including our children, will learn to walk with you. That's the only solution, the only protection. We learn to walk with you. We are truly, truly separated unto you. So that when that day and the hour comes, it will be easy to take that decision. We know God can save us, or he may not save us. But we know what we will do. We will not change our walk. We will not change our walk. We know with whom we have walked. And we will not bend. We would rather burn. Now. Than burn in eternity. We rather lose now. Than lose in eternity. And I pray Father. As we comfort and strength. To all those around the world. Who are going through. Unbelievable pressure. That they will stand strong. And see with the eyes of faith that all these are momentary troubles in the eternal weight of glory that waits for those who walk with you. But all these things are passing away. That's why everything is being shaken. Because we are receiving a kingdom that can never, ever be shaken. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Even today, be with us go before us. Thank you, Father. Spread your wings over your people. Shelter them in that secret place, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.